to us. Fires, touchdown Miami. Waddle snuck into the end zone of Miami. Boy, tight throw, tight window. They had to get that touchdown on that play. They get it. What is up, Dolph fans? And welcome to the Drive Time Podcast, part of the Miami Dolphins Podcast Network, covering your team, your Miami Dolphins. How's it going, everybody? I am your host, Travis Wingfield. And on today's show, day eight of Dolphins camp. You know the drill. We're talking all things Miami Dolphins training camp 22 with another practice report. Top performers and media from head coach Mike McDaniel, left tackle Teron Armstead, wide receiver Jalen Waddell, and a whole heck of a lot more from the Baptist Health Studios inside the Baptist Health Training Complex. This is the Drive Time Podcast. That's another Miami Dolphins Real quick, before we get started, some roster news to start it off before we get to Mike McDaniel's media. Of the punter variety, as the Dolphins announced the signing of Sterling Hofrichter and waived Tommy Heatherly, that's your roster update for Friday. We got Coach McDaniel at the podium before practice, and once again, we all got smarter about our favorite sport. Before playing our first soundbite here, I want to go ahead and start with a question about Byron Jones and the progress he's made so far through his rehab and if there's any concern about his availability for week one against the Patriots. Coach says the concern is with continuing to progress every day and that right now that isn't a concern, but it takes a full commitment each and every day wink, for that to hold true. The each and every day is a drive time uh, locked on Dolphins note back to the or uh, a nod back to the old locked on Dolphins days, I should say. But right now, the team is confident in how Byron Jones is rehabbing. It's great news. Re Miami's lockdown corner. We also got an update on Michael Dieter. Expect him sooner than later, coach says, taking it day by day, but also being pragmatic and not greedy about the whole thing with his return. Great news about the medical of the team. All right, let's go to coach who was asked about, well, his coaches. That was me that asked the question. I was curious to hear coach talk about the process of facilitating and cultivating and other ING words, development of his coaching staff. As I was thinking about Wes Welker's comment the other day about coach talking about the nature of the job and the gravity of his position with regards to the time that coach has with various people throughout the building and how he wants to be present for those meetings because you know from coach's end he might have 20 of those per day but from the 20 individuals might be the biggest part of their day I thought that was a very instructive and mature approach to the way you handle meeting with employees in your team and that obviously goes through players and coaches as well so I wanted to hear coach talk a little bit about how he fosters development on his coaching staff. Here he is discussing my question about Wes Welker and his own ride along here with Coach McDaniel and how the Dolphins want to develop coaches here under Coach McDaniel. Here's Coach. That, that's an important important aspect of the job. Um, I, I think Wes, was really, he, he channeled his inner player in that one, and I think he's being a little hard on himself. Um, but I think that, that speaks to um, what he's kind of invested in. Um, uh, in the whole process, how, how far he's come, but that, that's always ongoing. You know, that, that's uh, very important for me as a leader is to, um, of, of the football team is to make sure that the, the players are getting resourced by, um, 
people that are getting better at their craft that always seek new and different ways to communicate with people um, and and handle those relationships in the best best way possible so that I think it's just attention I think it's um, I think it's uh, uh, positive reinforcement on things that are working I think it's um, solution finding and and just really investment into the assistant coaches by myself um, to uh, improve on things that really don't work. What's the old adage? The way we do anything is the way we do everything. And that's just, it's kind of what I think of with that quote there from, from Mike McDaniel, because again, like this is a question that he didn't know was coming from, you know, from me. Uh, and he just answered it in a way that you can tell it's something he's thought about. It's part of the program he's putting together just in terms of being on top of not just the players, but the coaches and the support staff and making sure that everyone that relies upon the people that he has delegated tasks and responsibilities to, those resources are beneficial and useful to the players because ultimately it's all about getting the players right and ready, right? So coach is thinking about every possible aspect to improve the resources he has around those players. And that involves his coaching staff. And, you know, I don't work with coach directly, but working, you know, in his program, you kind of get that sense across the entire building. So it's really cool to see. And just again, that attention to detail that he has is it's really second to none. And I wanted to play this soundbite real quick. At my first combine, I asked former Alabama safety Xavier McKinney, who was also in the same draft class as Tua, about the battles between him and his quarterback there on the practice fields in Tuscaloosa as the quarterback of the defense and the quarterback of the team. And he gave me a great soundbite. I want to go ahead and play that for you guys right here from Indy. Xavier, what does practicing against a guy like Tua Tungabailoa every day do to help your game? Oh, man. Um... He's helped me a lot, man. Uh, you know, I've we've had talks after practice, um, and he's told me, uh, you know, what he sees and, and how, because he's looked me off uh, several times, several times. And, uh, you know, I got to a point where I started getting kind of frustrated because I'm like, I don't know how you're doing this. So, um, you know, we've talked, and I've asked him, you know, what does he see that I'm not seeing or what is he doing that, you know, that I need to do? So, and he's also, you know, told me the same thing. He's like, uh, if I'm doing something, let me know after practice. Like, if, 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 if you don't see something, let me know. So that's, what, that's how we communicate. So that's the Bama safety, uh, who was a teammate of two, was there back in college. Here's what Coach had to say about he was asked about how smart of a player Javon Holland is, but he really took it in this direction regarding the competition between Tua and Holland, your quarterback on offense, and one of the guys that could be billed as the quarterback of the defense, as Pat Sertan told us earlier this week. Here's Coach on Tua v. Holland. It has been really, really cool watching Tua and him compete. And that's an odd thing to say, um, but like – in, in regards to a safety versus a quarterback. Um, but, you know, he plays all over the place. He, he, he communicates the defense um, from, from the call from the sidelines, and he's a student. And I think um, Tua respects that, and they've kind of got a nice competitive bond going. Um, and, and it speaks to how football smart he is, um, how to, you know, it, the things that he does on the football field are super exciting um, for the Miami Dolphins moving forward. And uh, he is athletic and has a lot of skills, but um, none of that even matters if he doesn't have a brain for football and a commitment to football like he does. 
Yeah, I noticed that too. Just just the competition between number eight and number one. And that's why I talked a little bit on the podcast about, you know, Javon tweeting and Tua we trust the day after Tua had the long ball to Tyreek where Javon's kind of the safety he's reading on that play and he made the correct decision and the correct throw and it, it sent social media into a shockwave. So I think Javon seeing it is a great sign. Coach McDaniel seeing it's a great sign and obviously Dolphins fans want to see plenty of that this year. If you want to see the entirety of that media availability, go ahead and go to the Dolphins YouTube channel to check out Mike McDaniel addressing the media on Friday, August the 5th. We're going to come back on the other side of the podcast here, excuse me, and get to our practice notes from another busy day, day eight at Dolphins camp. That's next on the Drive Time Podcast. Your host, Travis Wingfield, brought to you by AutoNation. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. We're now joined by three-time NBA Sixth Man of the Year, elite bucket getter. Let's please welcome Jamal Crawford to Point Game. King of the Court one-on-one tournament. If they had it back in your prime, do you think he could have took it all? I'm going to be honest with you. I don't think I could have took it all, but I think I would have shocked a lot of people. I think Kobe and everybody in their prime, Kobe would win a one-on-one contest. Yeah, I, yeah, because you got to think, Love he's going to guard. He don't care about guarding. He's going to guard. He's going to exactly. guard. Like, you see him in the Olympics, exactly. he's going to guard. And then on I'm top of that. like that, see that? Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Sam Cassell to Point Game. I remember you came out from crying tears. <laughs> crying tears. I mean, he was in a culture shock. He's, he's going to withdraw us about winning. Remember what I told you? I said, I said, OG, you think I can get paid and go back and play in college because he didn't need it. <laughs> Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. Another day of sweat equity is in the books. Another practice in the books. Andrew Van Ginkle was in the orange as my streak for predicting the orange jersey comes to an end at two practices. My pick for tomorrow is I'm inclined to stay with Jalen Phillips again. I I thought I was going to get three for three on that one. I was wrong. You're smart. I'm stupid. You are very attractive. I am not good looking. Happy Gilmore to Chubbs. Uh, But I think Xavier Howard is going to be the one that gets it. That's my pick. And that's where we'll start today because the one-on-one portion of practice belonged to number 25. You see all of his game has to offer in those periods with the physicality, the change of direction, the recovery speed. And my favorite part about X is there's no panic whatsoever up the stem at the top of the route. He knows what he can do and he trusts himself to get the job done. We've kind of grown accustomed to the difficulties in practice of covering Tyreek Hill with the way that he can snap it off at any moment and change direction through acceleration on you. But Xavier got him on back-to-back reps to open the one-on-one period today. The first one was an intermediate depth route that came back towards the quarterback, and you just saw X plant his cleat in the ground, drive out of that back pedal, and just condense that window into the sideline into a very minuscule opening incomplete. Then Tyreek comes back, and we would see this in team, you know, create tons of space for the easiest touchdown pitch and catch I think Skylar Thompson's ever going to have in his NFL career as Tyreek tries this quick hitter where it's, you know, get your release, foot in the ground, inside back to outside, break that thing off. But this is where X's patience and I think his trust and confidence in his own ability to go back and get vertical, even if he doesn't win at the line of scrimmage, he just stays on top of it and drives through it. I thought it was going to be a pick, which you just never see in these drills on normal routes down the field, not normal routes, but routes down the field, 
but particularly these short, quick-hitting routes. You never see this, and the drill favors the receiver so much because there's so much space out there, and there's no pass rush. Like, everything goes to the receiver, but it's a pass breakup only because Tyreek did manage to break it up himself. So X, good on good, iron sharpens iron, all those fun cliches, X on Tyreek Hill, and X got the better of it today. In fact, I thought this period was indicative of how the secondary played in team portion of practice as well, with, again, lots of good coverage where the quarterbacks had to eat some eat some sacks. You know, Noah Igbenogany looked excellent in the one-on-one drills. He was bodying guys up. So did Trill Williams, and both those guys really showed their mettle down around the line of scrimmage in this practice as well, you know, whether it's coming after the quarterback or fitting into the run. Both of those guys' length and physicality shows up in practice in areas not considered the passing game, right? as rushers as well. And like I said with Xavier and Howard, some of that patience really seems to be trickling down throughout the rest of the room to these young guys because I see it in their game and it's improving and growing from what we saw even back at day one with both Igbenogany and Williams. I did want to point out two plays by wide receivers, one in particular by Cedric Wilson Jr. because it showed me the intelligence that he plays the game with. Something we've heard from his former teammates and coaches in Dallas and now here in Miami with Mike McDaniel, Chris Greer, and the teammates he has here with the Dolphins. So when you run a route, sometimes the defense is aligned to take away that route, right? That's why, like, if you miss certain plays, you see the sideline, like, oh, man, that was our chance on that play. We've been working all game to get this look. We got it, and we missed it. Damn it, we have to hit those. Sometimes you don't get that look, and you still have to run the route that's called because the design of the concept and the play is dependent on all 11 guys facilitating the space by doing their job. So Cedric wants to get this outside route, but Nick Needham's taking it away with outside leverage. That means he's aligned on the outside shoulder. So what does Cedric have to do? He has to run a great route because he has to convince Needham he's going inside. He takes that inside release, Needham just squats on that thing, and he winds up taking the long way around, loops around Needham, and then from there, what that does is it puts Nick Needham in good shape to drive on the pass because he can undercut that thing from there. But because Wilson, once he got on the upfield shoulder, he angled that cut right back towards the quarterback to really increase his own window and decrease Needham's window to make a play on the football, secures it, makes the catch. And I think that's going to go a long way towards earning the trust of his quarterback. And, you know, Kyle Krabs and I watching practice today, we just both were really impressed by the work of Cedric Wilson. And then, all right, team drills. There's one more in there. Oh, okay, yeah, I forgot. It's in the bottom of the notes here. Let's go back to it real quick. Where is it? Uh, I don't know where it is. But anyway, Muhammad Sanu caught a pass in the one-on-one portion of practice, and it took him right over towards that VIP tent where some of the junior Dolphins kids were hanging out. You guys know what I'm talking about if you've been out here before. And he catches it, runs over there, and daps those kids up. And, man, the looks on those faces, the smiles we saw, they were breaking out some dances with each other after the fact. So cool to see. We also saw Jalen Waddle, Javon Holland. I think Tua was over there for a little bit. A lot of guys checking out the, the you know, giving the kids some autographs, giving them some pictures. That's like, that's what it's all about, right? Got a chance to watch that on a Friday. Really, really cool stuff. As for the team portion of practice, I think the defense had another dub today. Tua's best pass was a 25-yard shot to Tyreek Hill with really good anticipation to touch and touch, I should say, to layer it over one defender, the, you know, that cloud corner, the over-the-top safety right underneath him, threw it out of the break, and it met Tyreek right on time, bang, bang at the sideline, about 25 yards or so. A nice shot from the far hash, too, by the way, with some good velocity on that. 
And Tyreek, well, he had another Tyreek day. The red zone touchdown I mentioned, the catch from Tua. He caught one roughly 15, 18 yards downfield with Tino Ellis all over his back for a tough, tough contested grab. He also caught a touchdown from Tua in deep red zone work, so he had plenty of plenty of scores, plenty of yards in this in this practice as well. You know, it's funny. I wrote that I think this was one of the tougher days on the quarterbacks, but consider that context because they didn't throw a single pick. I don't think there were any like egregious errors where it's like, ooh, what was that? It just wasn't their sharpest day, which again is a good sign because we're measuring that against a really, really good training camp so far for really the entire room, in particular QB1. Uh, and then let's go ahead and move on to the running backs here. I, my most new note isn't here, but I already talked about that. Uh, the running backs. Man, I'm going to keep saying this because I see it every day. Chase Edmonds can scoot. And these have been occurring really daily since I would say, you know, right around day three or four where he makes a run that I just think that his decision-making, the footwork, the patience, it helps influence the defense into the wrong gap. And it's funny because we talked to Chase and he was very instructive about the difference in different schemes and inside zone, outside zone, how he has to work to put himself in the right positions to be able to maximize his skill set within the particular scheme you call. And it seems like since that time, he's just been making great decisions and the vision continues to show up for him. It happened today where he took this run and he like shot towards like the A gap, like inside, right? Towards the line of scrimmage, then quickly bounces it outside. And you see a linebacker, Phil, like take the cheese inside before he bounces it outside and that's what he's going for. It's, it's like, you know, I, I hate to dumb it down to this, but it's like in Madden. Like, you always wanted to be patient and run behind your blocks. Chase is playing real-life Madden out there, and they come down and get caught in that wash, and then his speed's good enough to get outside of that to help him out-leverage and outflank those guys. And he just hits the Jets, and he's out the gate for a big gain. One slip tackle there on the second level, and he might be going the distance. It's big-time stuff for the Miami running back. Raheem Mostert had a big rip where Brandon Jones was the first one to contact him right at the sticks 10 yards down the field, and that was working in behind a Rob Hunt block who continues to move bodies in the running game. And this is something I'm seeing daily with these backs. If you just give them a crease, they aren't going to just give you the yards that are blocked. I thought that was kind of the case last year. They're going to maximize it and hit explosives and give you chances not just in the passing game for explosives with Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle, but you can hit explosives in the running game with Raheem Mostert, Chase Evans, and the rest of the guys. Keep an eye on that as we go into games. It's going to be a big factor for this Dolphins offense this year, I think. You don't get big runs without offensive line play. Let's go ahead and talk about the offensive line. I've just been so impressed by this unit as a whole and how excited I am to watch these joint practices against the Buccaneers next week because on that big running play, Austin Jackson had a really, really good block I want to talk about. But just the entire offensive line has some consistent wins and stabilization. And with Austin Jackson, it was the same Edmonds run I mentioned earlier where Jackson has to get outside of the edge defender. Jalen Phillips has him outflanked outside that outside shoulder. A reach block, right? We talk about it on the podcast all the time. <clears throat> Those are very challenging for offensive linemen to hit successfully at a high rate. Not only does Austin fire out of his stance and get that block turned, that's all you can ask for right there. Get turned. He finished that block with some authority and helped spring Edmonds into that second level. And also on that play, Alec Ingold squared one up and had a really nice block on Jerome Baker there too. So a couple of big blocks and a fast back. You love to see that stuff. Then I wanted to note Teron Armstead's presence and just how easy it is to see his impact. We know what he allows you to do in terms of slide protection. You put 72 on an island out there against their best pass rusher and just watch him stack wins while the rest of the line benefits from the help they can get because of that. There's a rep down in the red zone where the outside rush 
you know, backs out and the inside rush comes. So Tehran, all of a sudden, kind of like Liam Eikenberg that one day we talked about, he's got no one to block. So he squeezes, squeeze it in tight. Give your quarterback that wall because in red zone, the ball's coming out quick anyways. Squeeze it, give him the extra tenth of a second he needs. And Tua has just enough time to find Tyreek Hill in the back of the end zone for a touchdown. Just really cool to see Tehran, Tyreek, and Chase come back from a load management day on Wednesday and all have significant impacts on Friday. I also thought Greg Little was very good today. Looked comfortable and smooth getting into his pass sets and dropped that anchor to help his quarterbacks buy some time back there. You know, a good competition for that swing tackle position. Greg Little putting his name in that hat as well. On defense, we'll hear from Teron here in just a moment, but what he's been seeing from Christian and Zach is what we'll hear from him on. And you know by now, if you listen to the podcast, that you know Christian, he came through for a sack early on and Zach had a rep later on in practice. These two guys... these guys, they just keep doing it. And Christian, or I should say Zach does it more than anybody, at least as far as my eyes can see, not just a win, but the quickest of wins where he's clean almost immediately engage, disengage, discard, and get yourself into the gap without alignment in front of you, ready to make a play in the backfield. That is 92. That is 94. They do it all the time. It's so consistent. And I talked about it on Twitter, man. NFL Network had Xavier Howard and Javon Holland interviewed uh, last Friday, and then and then uh, we had Teron Armstead today talking about which player on the front seven he thinks will will have a big impact this year. And all those guys mentioned Christian Wilkins. You see it every day in practice. Also on the interior, John Jenkins had himself a day. He stacked up a few runs. And Ben Still, the UDFA out of Nebraska, he's popped this camp, man. Some flashy plays. He gets a would-be sack in the red zone, and he strung out a wide run for no gain later on. Some good work from the rookie. I thought today was Jerome Baker's best practice so far because he was everywhere and very noticeable. His speed and ability to get width, but still scrape off the edge and keep everything as condensed as it possibly can be was very evident. He's a good match for the speed this offense has and the ability to vertical stretch teams on defense like they want to do. I mentioned Jalen Phillips earlier. The first two runs of practice were examples of Phillips' strength, which we know about the flexibility and the athletic ability that he has shown time and time again. Man, the way he can kind of reverse scissor you know, chop a guy off the edge and condense that corner to make it a short corner for his speed to take advantage of. We saw that today, but also the long arm. And when he's playing the run like he has been, I just don't know how you take him off the field because he's getting it done in all phases. He looks so comfortable, poised, and ready to make some plays out there. Him and Austin Jackson had some heavyweight main card event fights out there tonight or today. It was fun to watch. Finally, Jason Sanders hit all six of his kicks, including the at least at least three of them were off that video pole that splits the uprights in the back of the kicking net. Like, understand that this is a solid seven to eight yards behind the uprights, and he's just hammering kick after kick dead center into this pole that's like two feet in width. I mentioned this, you know, I mentioned being here for four years of camp with this team. I'm not sure I've seen Jason Sanders miss four kicks in four years. His process and approach is unwavering. He's absolutely money. And shout out to Blake Ferguson and Thomas Morstead too, because the battery gets credit for that work as well. All right, that's your practice notes. We got some more player media next here, including a fun chat with Teron Armstead and much, much more. That's next on the Drive Time Podcast. Your host, Travis Wingfield, brought to you by AutoNation. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. We're now joined by three-time NBA Sixth Man of the Year, elite bucket getter let's please welcome jamal crawford to point game king of the court one-on-one tournament if they had it back in your prime do you think he could have took it all 
I'm gonna be honest with you, I don't think I could have took it all, but I think I would have shocked a lot of people. I think Kobe and everybody in their prime, Kobe would win a one-on-one contest. Yeah, I, yeah, because you gotta think Love he's it. gonna guard. He don't care about guarding. He's gonna guard. He's gonna exactly. guard. Like you see him in the Olympics, exactly. he's gonna guard. And then on I'm top of that, like that, see that. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Sam Cassell to Point Game. I remember you came out from crying tears. <laughs> crying tears. I mean, he was in a culture shock. And then I, his, he's going to withdraw us about winning. Remember what yeah. I told you? I said, I said, OG, you think I can get paid and go back and play in college? Because they ain't it. <laughs> Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. Back here on a Friday edition of the Drive Time Podcast, I want to hear from three players. We heard from more than this. You can find more media availabilities up on the team YouTube channel. We're going to talk to T-Stead, Jalen Waddell, and Andrew Van Ginkle on this Friday practice. Go ahead and start here with the veteran left tackle, Teron Armstead, who first was posed the question about his impression of the edge position and talking about the addition of Melvin Ingram, uh, just the front in general, actually, talking about that group up front. Here's Teron Armstead talking about the Dolphins' defense up front and what they bring. Man, real active group, real active group. Uh, high, high, highly talented, a lot of skill. Adding, adding Melvin Ingram to that group is, I think, extremely underrated. Um, he's an amazing player. He's been that way for a long time. But uh, guy like a guy like Christian Wilkins, hit, who has been highly productive but hasn't been that notable as far as, like, popularity, he's going to have a – I'm projecting that he have a, a standout year more so in the stat line than ever before. Uh, extremely talented player, intelligent player, uh, real good hands and feet technique. Uh, Man, Zach, another another one. Extreme technique. Agba. I'm I'm uh, I'm a fan of those guys. Hey, you and me both, T Stead. You and me and my audience both as far as those guys' production and what they do on the practice field every single day. Speaking of practicing against your own guys, I wanted to play this uh, sound bite because he was asked about going into the scrimmage against the Bucks, and it's one of those cliches, right? Are you excited to hit someone else in a different color jersey? Like yeah, of course, but I liked the way he talked about the way they practice and why the practices against themselves is so valuable and demanding in that way that gets the most out of this team. Here's T-Step. Uh, the type of the, the work we put in out here is, is high level. It's high level, and, and Mike demands that. You know, So the level that we, that we get to and compete at every day, um, you're not going to get much more or much, much different. You might see different styles of play, different schemes, but uh, we get after it. We get after it out here, and I think it's, it's great and will translate when, when, when we go to Tampa. Uh, I've played those guys twice a, twice a year for nine years now, so I know that, that team, that, all, that defense, um, and they, they come with it, championship caliber, caliber team. So it'll be a good time, good chance to get in and go technique versus technique, scheme versus scheme. But as far as level and, and effort, it's nothing's going to be what we're, what we're doing out here. I had nothing to add. That's perfect. I love that. You know what else is perfect? This next answer here about playing with Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle. You know how I keep saying I've never seen guys that can practice like that, guys that can take the top off, guys that move like that, but also run routes like that. Teron agrees. Never seen it. Never seen a, the likes of, of Tyreek Hill alone. You know, uh, the explosiveness, the, the zero to sixty in two point five. He's a he's a he's a model model S. Uh, and then and Jalen too, like those guys are extremely talented. Uh, the burst is insane. Um, then Raheem and the Chase and we got we got a lot of weapons. Um, just trying to get those guys an opportunity to, to make plays. Finishing up here with T Stead talking about 
injuries and how you manage the process of keeping yourself healthy, self healthy, easy enough for me to say. I just love this veteran answer here talking about what comes with the the territory of the National Football League, but how you work on a, a word that I have never heard before, prehab. Let's go ahead and go to T-Stead. Uh, listen, it's 100% injury rate in the NFL. It's, it's a guarantee. Now, the severity, the magnitude of the injury, you you try to prehab, do all this preventative work that uh, I'm definitely tapped into, you know, the nutrition, the mobility, all those good things. You know, Do everything that you, can, that you possibly can do, then it's control what you can control. We've heard so many good things about wide receivers coach Wes Welker, and rightfully so, man. We're, we're so lucky to have him back down here in South Florida uh, after a long stint away from the Dolphins going back to the 2006 season. Here's Jalen Waddle talking about what makes Wes Welker unique in his approach to coaching. Here's a Dolphins wide receiver. Well, it's a different approach because he actually played and he had success in his league, so you really like taking consideration what he's telling you because he did it before, so it just make it hit home a little, little better. Speaking of coaching, the topic of McDaniel's coaching tapes and Wes Welker saying that McDaniel taught him how to make really good cut-ups to streamline the process of learning. Remember back to the introduction press conference with Coach McDaniel and how excited I was about that answer and about that streamlined process of teaching and coaching. Here is Jalen Waddle talking about the helpfulness of those coaching tapes that sometimes can include Allen Iverson doing crossovers. There's no shortage of information out there that Coach is going to use. Here's Jalen on how Wes Welker put together those tapes and the effectiveness of said tapes. Um, it's good. It makes it like full circle, um, especially if you mess up and he show you a play that you get the same look, same look from the defense and um, kind of like how it's supposed to be. So you kind of paint that picture in your mind um, next time when you go out there, what to expect and how you're going to treat it. Let's go to this next one. I'll talk about it after the fact. Honestly, um, my yards have to catch um, something. Um, something I, I realized uh, I wasn't that productive at last year. So that's how we pop out on, on tape when I look at it. Just wanted to point that out because, yeah, Jalen went from being a guy that caught 21 of 25 passes, 20 yards or more downfield in college, electric after the catch, some of the most average run after catch yards in college football, an electric receiver. We saw glimpses of it last year catching the ball and getting in space. He wants to improve his run after catch, and I think this offense is designed to make that happen where you're catching the football, running away from the line, away from the defense, opposed to coming back to the football and being stagnant when you catch the football. Could see a big jump from him this year. Let's finish up here with what he's learned most about his reps against cornerback Xavier Howard so far this year in training camp. Um, obviously, I think X is the best corner. I'm not just saying that because um, he's on my team, but look at what he's done, done in this league. He traveled, go play man-to-man, so it's always good to I feel like he's the best, go against the best to, you know, up my game. Um, both from the same same city, so it's a little H-Town throwdown. H-Town throwdown there is a reference to the fact they're both from the city of Houston. So I asked if there's a little trash talk. He said, not usually. We're usually all about that work. Let's go ahead and finish up here with another guy that's about all that work and receiver Tyreek Hill. What's the one thing he's taken from Tyreek Hill that he can incorporate into his game? This is why you bring in, on top of the fact he's one of the best receivers in the last in the NFL the last six years, but this is a big reason why you're bringing Tyreek Hill to influence a guy that's as good and talented as Jalen Waddle. I think just his uh, approach. I think I have a pretty good approach to, to the game, but his approach every day. Um, he takes every day as a, as a new challenge. Uh, he really, like, real deal technician uh, when we're in meetings. And, and things like that. He's he a true professional, so I think I could take that and just learn from it. 
That's some awesome stuff there from Jalen Waddle, Dolphins' second-year wide receiver. Let's go ahead and finish up with Andrew Van Ginkle, who I first asked him about the process of finding out you're going to get the orange jersey and how that happens. He says you get a text that says you were the practice player of the day. So when he got that, he was happy, and just knowing all the hard work that he put in is really paying off. Also told me, uh, I asked him, what's more nerve-wracking, facing Teron Armstead and pass protection or putting together a quality playlist? And he got a pretty good kick out of that and said, actually, the playlist was pretty tough. I feel the same way, Andrew. I'd be nervous about that as well. Let's get one uh, audio clip here from Andrew Van Ginkle. You can find all of these up on the team YouTube channel if you missed any of it. Here he is talking about the challenges of this offense going against it and how it tests this defense so far in training camp. Here's Van Ginkle. Man, it's been great. Um, just seeing looks that normally you don't see this early in training camp. Um, you know, it really tests our edges and tests our gap. Uh, defense. So um, as long as everybody's doing their job and, um, you know, working hard to improve, that's, that's how we got to go approach each day. That's it. And that's all. Another day from Dolphins practice. I think that's a good spot to end it right there. More good work before we get out to practice in Tampa Bay, which we will have coverage from there as well. We're going to be with you guys the rest of the weekend here for some more practice off Monday, back on Tuesday and in Tampa on Wednesday and Thursday off Friday. And then a Miami Dolphins football game on next Saturday against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Just one week out now. It's the most wonderful time of year. Oh yeah, how about that game last night? My only takeaway was that Trayvon Walker, hey, pretty good, huh? Pretty good. Breaking news. Number one overall draft pick is very good at football. Also, I haven't mentioned this yet because we're talking all things ball, but how good was Better Call Saul? Spoiler alert, Walt and Jesse came back for the last episode. That was that was really cool to see, man. 2013 was the last time you got a chance to watch Heisenberg and Jesse Pinkman on your TV set. That was really, really cool for a big-time Breaking Bad Better Call Saul fan. That's my time today, guys. In the meantime, you all please be sure to subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts. Leave us a rating. Leave us a review. You can follow me on Twitter at Wingfield NFL. You can follow the team at Miami Dolphins. Check out the Fish Tank Podcast with Seth and OJ. And, of course, our weekly Twitter Spaces show every Wednesday night at 8 o'clock on Twitter.com. Go to my timeline. You can find it there on Wednesday nights at 8 o'clock. Check out, check out the team YouTube channel for all the media availabilities. Dolphins today, some drive time and fish tank content. And of course, last but not least, MiamiDolphins.com for the written notebook, which is up live right now. Caroline, fins up. Whoa, almost missed that one. And Caroline, daddy's coming home.